Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for voiceover artist Faye Dicker. You knock and you knock and you knock and then suddenly a door opens and, it, and once that one door opens, it does make a real difference. Being freelance mum is hard and sometimes the lines start to feel a bit blurred and sometimes you start to think, I created this thing because I wanted this really lovely lifestyle um, but actually it can be harder to switch those things off. Yes, hello. Hope you're having a good week, whatever you're up to. Um, it's been a funny one for me this week because it's been half term, which makes working <laughs> really hard, frankly, with the kids off school. As you'll find out if you watch the vlog, uh, hope you've had a chance to check it out. YouTube.com slash Steve Follin. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. It seems quite apt in that case that this week's guest is the creator of Freelance Mum. I'd love to say it was planned. It wasn't, but, you know, <laughs> roll with it. Don't forget, beingfreelance.com also has all of the previous guests, over 80, that you can check out. Whatever they do, doesn't matter. Go listen to them because it's about being freelance rather than the actual industry, the niche that they might work in. And, yeah, I tell you what, the biggest thing you could do to help me out here is share this with somebody you know who is also a freelancer. Like, make it grow as much as we can, help people as much as we can, uh, that that would be it. So, you know, if you're at a freelance meetup or you happen to know somebody or you're chatting to them online, point them in, in the direction of this and um, hopefully they'll like it too. Anyway, for now, let's crack on and go to Bristol and chat to this week's guest, who is freelance voiceover artist Faye Dicker. Hey, Faye. Hello. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. It's really good fun. Well, you don't know that yet. It could be awful. <laughs> First of all, let's talk um, about how you got started being freelance. It's funny, really. I, I can't really remember being anything but freelance, but that's not technically speaking true. I always worked in the media industry, so it was always short-term contract. I started out as a runner, you know, so I always just had this natural inclination to kind of think, well, I've got to be, I've got a bit of mouse about me here. This contract isn't forever. I've got to go towards this, got to go towards that. So I kind of was working in a fairly fickle industry, media, and was quickly learning that actually I needed more than one string to my bow. And although I did have a contract, then technically speaking, you know, and I got holidays, so no, that, that therefore I wasn't freelance as such, my was already sort of veering into the direction of actually wanting to be freelance. And it was only when um, my hand was forced a bit, and I'm sure there'll be lots of freelancers that tell a similar story, and I finally, I lost a job. I had um, a contracted piece, uh, a job working for Bath FM. And I lost that gig. And then my hand was forced. And I finally was in this freelance world that I sort of dalliance with a little bit. Um, and I'd always toyed with the idea of it. But suddenly I really did have to go out there and find this extra work that I'd always wanted to do. And it was brilliant because I don't think I'd have ever actually made that step. And a whole new world was open to me. And the very real need of having to pay the bills made me go out and do it. And, and it was brilliant. I never looked back. And I went from presenting on radio shows to actually trying my hand at something that I'd always wanted to do, which was a much bigger leap. And that was the voiceover work. Cool. OK. How long ago is this all happening? I'm trying to remember myself, actually. <laughs> it's, got, it's got to be a good 20 years ago. Maybe 15, yeah. Because it does change things because it it makes, for example, the online tools available to you different and stuff like that. So so how did you go about, you know, making it on your own? Um, I started out doing the, the radio presenting. And it's funny, really, because I was thinking about this only the other day. Um, 
and just how dated CDs are. Um, <laughs> because you sort of think back in the day, I used to send out CDs to people. And isn't that clunky? You know, CDs feel so dated now. And I used to, I remember going out and buying like wads of um, the right size Jiffy envelopes and getting CDs and, you know, oh, what a laborious job. Burning discs. Did you try and put stickers on, on them oh, as well? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I heavily invested in a, in a sticker machine to try and make myself <laughs> look slightly more professional you know than just getting a pen and uh, sticking those cds um you know in the envelopes and sending them off and then you know my goodness me i got a website and of course the internet existed but you not everybody had a website yet and i started and i will never forget sending out a link finally having my demos online and sending out a link to a load of people i didn't do anything terribly exciting i just sort of sent an email that i'd bcc to people and said oh hi i'm Faye, you know and i've got these demos if you want to hear them and then sort of merrily hopped off made a cup of tea and i came back and i was like oh my goodness big lesson learned to yourself when you send out that kind of email be prepared to answer the phone because, you know, and blowed if people were then saying, oh, yeah, we'd love to try you. And it was really exciting. And, of course, that sort of thing doesn't happen every single day when you send an email out and suddenly everyone wants to give you a piece of work. But it was a real lesson in, yeah, be prepared. If you're going to tell the world where you are and what you do, be prepared for the phone to ring. Yeah. Did you go and get like a voiceover, I don't know, an agent or something like that? Or were you approaching clients direct? Um, I approached clients directly and it wasn't until much later that I actually got an agent myself. And actually I was really, I'm really pleased that I did it that way around because it meant that I was sort of fully established as an artist um, and that I felt sort of fairly firm really. And the, the way that I got my voiceover agent, it's so funny, it goes to show it's that whole, it's what, who you know basically. I was... Um, letting my studio out to a good friend of mine called Russell Bolter and um, he's an he used to be an actor in the bill and he's, he's a great guy he's got one of these booming voices and he used to come and rent my studio and he had um, an agent and so they used to sort of contact me directly and say oh is it all right if Russ uses your studio today so oh, yeah of course you know no problems at all Russ can use it and always got chatting was always really friendly and Russell used to say you know you should send them your demo and I was always a bit too nicey nicey and far too humble and modest I was like, oh, okay. And he said, no, no, Faye, you've got to do it. So I sent my um, demo and uh, said, yeah, you know, I'm a voiceover artist. And they said, yeah, we're, we're looking to take you. We'll take you on. And it was amazing, really, because I had approached other artists, uh, agents rather, and they said, oh, you, you, know, you know, we're not looking for a voice like you, lovely voice, but, you know, keep knocking type thing. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, you know, I'll keep cracking on with what I'm doing. I know I'm good at what I do. If you don't want to take me, that's not a problem. And um, so to finally someone to say, yeah, we'll have you. I was kind of like, <laughs> wow, and it was as easy as that, you know, really, truly. But it's, it goes to show, you knock and you knock and you knock and then suddenly a door opens and, it, and once that one door opens, it does make a real difference. And it did make a difference. I kind of had to pinch myself for a bit. Um, but it, it did make a difference because my agent does generate extra work for me and that's a lovely place to be in. But I don't have to depend on her entirely because I've already got my own sort of, you know, database and set up of, of clients as well and that's a very nice place to be so you mentioned your own studio so did mm. you do that sh straight away yeah it was a bit of a bold leap and it really was a bold leap so I was doing this radio presenting I was working for a company called Media Broadcasting which was um, presenting 
live in-store radio. It was the baby of Bruno Brooks. And it was a great place to go and work because there were loads. And it was in the heyday. It was, you know, it was in the boom um, before everything went pop. And you know, every there were Dixons. Can you remember Dixons? <laughs> all all these stores had live in-store radio because it was a great way of, of of advertising both to your your customers and to keep all the people who were working in store keeping the morale up. So there I was working, and there was this. There were lots and lots of presenters um, on air every day, and I was just mixing constantly with them. And I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this, Steve, um, that you can't be a voiceover artist on a radio station that you also present on. But because I was working in, in somewhere where there were lots of different uh, radio stations, I could go off and I could do a voiceover for, say, Dixon's, while also merrily presenting to Iceland Live, <laughs> as as I actually was. Um, so I started to slowly but surely build up a, a, a showreel. And once I had this showreel and I knew that this showreel would be, you know, the key to the door and I just had to get a showreel together. And once I had it, it was up to me to start sending it out. So I managed to get this showreel together by doing bits and pieces for all the various radio stations around a media. And sure, sure as I, I was ready to make the step and to get a studio. And I can remember, um, thinking right darn it I wasn't in the financially best place at that point in my life but I was going to do it on a credit card I'd, I'd worked out um what equipment I needed all the various bits and pieces I had a cupboard with electricity that went to it it was a broom cupboard it had um it had lighting and it really was a broom cupboard I it, you know I think it was just deep enough for me to get my knees under a desk and shut the door and that was it <laughs> and um all the equipment that I needed was going to cost about three thousand pounds which you know I know it, to some it may not sound like much to start a business, but when you've got absolutely zero clients, that's quite a big thing. And my parents, you know, who aren't flush, said to me, Faye, we believe in you. And it was this massive thing and they lent me the money. And I'm sort of hastened to add, they lent me the money. And um, it has paid for itself time and time and time again. And if I ever had a moment of, of doubt, I just kept thinking, no, my parents believe in me. And I'm going to, sure as sure as, keep sending out that demo, keep sending out the links to my website and, and I will pay back, pay them back every last penny, pay for that equipment. And I did. And to go back to the story about the agent, I mean, these, the, well, this doesn't happen enough, but the very first job I got from that agent paid outright for that studio. Um, you know, and, and those moments don't happen. They don't happen once a year. But it was a, a, a very lovely thing to have happened and to be able to say to mum and dad, thanks for believing me. And, you know, here's the money. I've paid it back. Wow. Mm. Uh, over the past 15 years or so, then, since becoming a freelance voiceover artist, did you find that you were having a steady stream of work coming in? What's it been like once once you got up and running? Um, I think the thing with the voiceover work and freelance work of any nature is it's cream and it's lean. I'm just going to wheel out a whole heap of sayings now. You know, you make hay while the sun shines <laughs> because you can never really plan. Uh, I was in a rather nice place when I was working at the BBC. I was presenting early breakfast. So I was getting up at four. I was going off and I was doing my, my um, radio show and I come back and then I do my voiceover work. And so I had the best of both worlds in many ways in that I was present it had regular income from the BBC and it was on a, an artist contract as they call them at the BBC 
So I was able to also continue to generate work outside from my voiceover work. So that was really nice. I knew that every month I had the bread and butter from the BBC. And I used to say that the voiceover work was the jam and the cream on top. Um, and I had my children and um, I wasn't really in a position and I was absolutely shattered, to be quite frank, um, to go back and do early breakfast. So that came to an end. And I started to just do the voiceover work. And that made, meant it, was, it wasn't as smooth to be quite frank you know what you earn it's lumpy you can have a great big dollop some months and other months you're like blimmin heck this is really really hard work um but you learn to ride that as a freelancer and to a certain extent you can predict a trend you you know I know I know to expect tighter months in January February March that's a good time to be updating your demo for example um I I now know that around bank holidays actually that has quite a big knock-on effect because decision makers take holidays and so advertising campaigns take longer to be signed off um, and so therefore voices don't get cast quite as easily now nothing is set in stone but you can start to pick and spot trends so to answer your original question um yeah, it is. It's fits and starts, really. I told you I'd say use lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it's that, like knowing then how to cope with that when, uh, you know, it must be very tempting when you've got that one big job coming, for example, from the agent thinking, what is yeah. it going to keep gumming? And so you go and splash it everywhere and you think, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, that's all gone now. Or, oh, I've got to put that amount aside for tax. And yeah. I think that the trick is with the, as a freelancer is to always put money aside for tax. I mean, that's really boring, but that's just something I do every month. The first piece of work that comes in, I just instantly put that, you know, some money aside for tax. So I, I've just I've done that from day dot and that's just programmed. So I've, I never worry particularly about tax. Um, also, I mean, having said everything that I've said, I'm immediately going to contradict myself in that the year that I had um, Jemima, 2012, so I'd given him work at the BBC and I was just doing voiceover work, I think was one of my best years as a freelancer. But that was also because I was then the voice of Jet 2. So I was doing lots of advertising campaigns for Jet 2. And consequently, you know, I was that was reflected in what was coming into the bank balance. So it doesn't take much in the rather fickle world of freelancing to suddenly, you know, a rather nice job lands in your lap. And you're 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 rewarded for that but and in voiceover work it's also done on usage it's not just done on your session time i.e the time spent behind the mic the time spent behind the desk so you know that one hour might just be a usage fee might just be you know a studio session fee or it might just be that actually that was being broadcast globally so it's really hard actually to have any sense of forecast of your earnings but you can kind of get a sense of what you might get and then the you know some nice surprises as well so you had voiceover work and radio presenting work did you diversify your income in any other ways Yes, I did very much so. And it wasn't so much about um, the income as there was this bit missing in my life after I had the children and I'd given in the presenting at Radio Bristol. And it was really hard to work out what that bit in. Actually, that bit was identity. And I realised that I, I was a freelance mum and that I couldn't find many other mums like their 
out there like me. And there are plenty of mums on the circuit. You know, you could go to to playgroup, you could sing wheels on the bus, you could meet other professional mummies, but they were back out to work, you know, once, once they'd done the maternity leave. And that kind of left me in a bit of a funny old place. Um, and, and also I'd been working from, you know, when the girls were two weeks old anyway, and I could do it with relative ease. And that had been what I'd wanted to do, so I'd never stopped. And I couldn't really identify with other mums. I couldn't find other people like me. And so I thought, do you know what I'm, I'm going to do? I'm just going to start a community. If it doesn't exist, I'll build it. And I went out, and because I'm a broadcaster by trade, I started a website called Freelance Mum. And initially, my idea was to interview people, um, funnily enough, through podcasts, and to start sharing stories with other fellow freelance mums. And that started, and that started really, really well. But what it led to was the bigger thing. Because I realised that through going out and interviewing fellow mums in business, that actually what us mums needed, and I use the word mum, that is the, the default setting, but actually dads are more than welcome, was networking opportunities face to face where they could come along and they could bring their children. And that was the crucial bit because you're juggling constantly freelance work around children and Actually, it's really hard work and you're missing opportunity. You know, you'd suddenly find a networking event you really want to go to. It's like, darn it, I've got the girls that day. I can't go. Oh, that one sounded really good. And I thought, actually, what we need is we, would, we just need to start um, designing um, some kind of forum where people, parents can go and talk shop, but you're not pacifying your child with a million breadsticks. They are genuinely <laughs> happy. And, uh, uh, and it works mum and kids are happy so I started networking events called networking with freelance mum and that is very much my baby that's my outlet um, and it, it wipes its face it's not a big money spinner it, it generates money I have sponsors and that's the bit that'll make it continue to grow and that's that's the really exciting part about it the growth that is out there and the opportunity that is out there but for me it's just you know, I get between sort of 20 and 40 fellow parents in business turn up to these events every month and they turn up because it works and the buzz in the room is amazing and they're there with their kids and, and, and somehow it just works and that was the chunk, that was the bit that was missing in the jigsaw for me and those are my big sort of double thumbs up moments that happen every month. So is that all local to you? Yeah, that happens in Bristol. And I, I've had lots and lots of approaches from people all over the country saying, that, is this just based in Bristol? Could could I run one up north? Um, I'd like to do one. Can you tell me how to do it? And these are all ideas that are very much in the pipeline. So I would like to look at franchising it. But, you know, it's baby steps. I'm still a mum of two young girls. You know, they're two and four. I'm still while well, running two businesses. So one of the things that I've had to learn and I constantly have to tell myself is it's baby steps. Bit by bit, I will get there. That's awesome. So I mean, because that's the thing is that you could clearly make more money through doing presenting or hosting or voiceover or whatever. Yeah. But it's not about that. No. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. Hey, I'd love to, I'd love to <laughs> have some, you know, nice big dollops of cash. He wouldn't. That's going to help, isn't it? But that's not even w why it started. That's not the, that's not where it came from, is it? No, no, that wasn't the driving force. The driving force was always to create a community. Um, I think, I, I mean, I was so ridiculously ambitious to start um but hey it's just as well or i'd never have got started i, mean, I really did want to massively change the world i wanted to be somewhere between kind of money saving expert and mum's net in that i was the broadcaster that 
go-to for any freelance mum matters. Um, and that's why I sort of use the, the, the crossover between the two. But I realised actually the online world was quite, it was, there were too many gaps in my knowledge. And as, as doing it on my own, that was a bit too difficult. Um, and that actually the place where the real growth was for me personally was creating these events. And it was the face-to-face stuff where it really it really came alive. So I have no regrets in starting it through podcasts and starting to build this online community. But actually, because that spurned the next thing and that was the thing that took off. So how have you found being a freelance mum? Hard, really hard. Um, One of the hardest things I've ever done and I'm not someone who um, bulks at challenges. You know, I've done earlies for umpteen years. I've run marathons, I've climbed mountains. You know, I've done lots of things. I'm not someone who sniffs at a challenge. But being a freelance mum is hard. And it's hard because it's, it's not like you're doing anything that's any one thing that is particularly hard. But combined, it's it can become a bit blurred sometimes. It's also incredibly rewarding. And it's also great to be the master of your own time. I mean, like on a good day, someone will say, oh, can you do a voiceover this afternoon? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I can, you know, and you get a phone call and it's a quick 45-minute job and someone will look after the girls and I nip behind the microphone and I get, you know, I land a rather plum number and that's quite nice and in 45 minutes of, you know, a week's work and that's lovely. Double thumbs up to that, thank you. Then there are other days where you're like, oh, crikey, you know, I've got to read with a four-year-old, I've got to cycle someone to school, I've got to pick someone up from Childminders, um, I've got to get my invoices out, I've got to do a newsletter, I've got to record some corporate e-learning and some telephone on holds. Oh, and while I'm at it, I've also got to do some station announcements. All of those things, and you're up till silly o'clock, uh, you know, and oh, oh, and also because I thought that I really wanted to run another networking event called Freelance Mum, I've also got to get that one out and do a bit on social media around there. Oh my goodness, what made me do all of these things? And that's horrible. And sometimes the lines start to feel a bit blurred and sometimes you start to think I created this thing because I wanted this really lovely lifestyle um but actually it can be harder to switch those things off um so I think that that's the hardest part about being a freelance mum is that it can become quite muddled and actually part of what I'm doing with freelance mum is advocating that it's really it's really good we lead by good examples if my girls see that I'm happy in what I'm doing they'll want to go out and they'll want to, to, to do something for a living that they enjoy doing as well. So what would you say is the biggest challenge for you? Hmm. Time, really. It's a bit of an old chestnut. Time and not having enough of it. And I find it frustrating when um, people say, oh, everyone's got the same amount of time. Oh, bugger off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be quite frank, I do not have the same amount of availability as, because you don't, you, you know, and it, I think there's a lot of people who, um, it can be, what's the word? Um, idealistic. That's the word that I'm looking for. It's all a bit idealistic. It's like, we all got the same amount of time. You went, no, I haven't. Actually, I haven't. I have much smaller pockets of time and I have to be really sensible with how I use them. And I think that that's part of the trick of being a freelancer and certainly about being a freelance mum. It's about being time savvy. Um, so you, if you have a one hour pocket, if you decide, um, like I do, and I'm not saying that this is what you have to do, but if you decide that you're going to work while your, your toddler naps, then 
that's great, but just why don't you just pick one job and put a tick against that job rather than being totally unrealistic? Or if you're toddling naps and you decide to perish the thought, have a cup of tea and sit down, then have a cup of tea and sit down and don't beat yourself up about that either because, you know, jobs are loyal. You're the only one putting the ticks in the boxes and and don't beat yourself up if you don't get everything done. Make your to-do lists, as in the daily to-do list, short. You might have a, a, an ongoing long to-do list, you, which you're sort of trying to tick off bit by bit, but make the daily one short and just have three things that you say that you're going to do. Mm. Yeah, I... I found as a parent, I got a lot more productive. In uh, I, I now sit there and think, God, think of all the stuff I could have achieved. Yeah. <laughs> before. Yeah. Before I had kids, because actually now I get a lot more done in seemingly less time. Because you have to. Yeah. You know, you do just have to, and it's looking out. It's looking after yourself. And I, I tell you, the other thing that I find quite hard, actually, you know, what's what's my biggest challenge? I find social media hard. Um, not as in managing it, but the problem I have is. There are so many messages these days on social media and it's so easy to get drawn into them that actually I don't need to fix every single facet and part of my business just because somebody's written a, you know, there's a a well-written Facebook post or, you know, somebody's put a very, a, a beautifully composed tweet. You know, don't get sucked into every social media message stay true to what you're doing and only work on the parts that you truly believe are, are the parts that need polishing at that point in time. Now, I, I saw on your site as well, that as well as radio presenting and voiceover artist, uh, you do masterclasses. Is that is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I do masterclasses as well um, in media training, really. I, um, I team together with a good friend of mine, Mel Edmonds, and she's a broadcast journalist and also she's a, a lecturer in, uh, in broadcast media. And between us, we have rolled out various media masterclasses to things like um, corporate businesses, because let's face it, people do need to be media savvy. And it's that whole like how to write a press release uh, that actually works. Um, and how to continue to do that yourself and what to do when the phone rings. So it's, it's, simple things like that really well I say simple things like that to me that's simple to me that's second nature but actually to many small businesses that's not an easy thing to do and that can be the thing they shy away from so we offer um, media masterclasses in in that side of things so when did you start doing that um that was probably oh in the last two three years I'd say um, and funnily enough that was as a response to being approached Several times people would say, oh, you know, do you do, um, do you do training? Do you do media training? And I was like, oh, not really, but I could do. I keep meaning to do it. And it wasn't until it was about the third time that I was asked, I thought, actually, I, I ought to actually get my finger out and start doing this. I think the world's sort of trying to point me in a certain direction. And I teamed up with my friend Mel because I knew that that was something that she did offer. And that I felt between us, what with me being a presenter and her being a broadcast journalist, that we had... Um, some really good experience that we could offer. And it's just one of these people who are just really lovely to work with. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, then. Um, Here are your three facts then, Steve. Um, I used to be a nurse in the BBC series Casualty. Um, (laughs) I was invited to the Treasury... And I am the voice of GWR Trains. Okay, now, 
you said earlier on something about doing train train stops or train messages or didn't you didn't you say it doesn't mean it's gwr trains but i'm sure you said something like that you see i'm a bloody detective on this nowadays Very good. Very treasury good. you got invited to the treasury why did you go to the treasury I was invited to the Treasury um, because I'm ambassador for Small Business Saturday. And as part of their campaign, they invited us to, in fact, they invited us to Downing Street, but it got cancelled last minute. So there's a quick about turn and off we went to the Treasury. So we were invited to the Treasury. And when I was at the Treasury, I actually managed to pop a microphone under George Osborne's nose and get an interview with George Osborne. And you, were you regularly in casualty? Yes, I was a regular nurse in the BBC series Casualty shortly after I'd graduated from the Dartington College of Arts and I was given the character name of Melanie Nelms. <laughs> so would it actually come up in the in the credits at the end? Yeah. So were you like in every episode for like a series or or, yeah, or were you like yeah. brought in when there was a train crash and they needed extra hands to, to mop up and you needed to help Charlie get dressed or something? Well, yeah, I was in quite a few episodes. I couldn't say that was in every single episode, but I was brought in um, midway. I don't even know which series it was, but Charlie was there, as he always is. And I was brought in to deal with a, a car accident. And I was brought in to look after uh, a character who was a girl dressing up as a boy. And the girlfriend didn't know that the, <laughs> she was dressing up as a boy. And so it was all broken like that. And then the, that, the nurse in question stayed into the series and uh, just lasted a series or two before um, going off to uh, follow her love in Cardiff. Man, I don't know. Listen, if the casualty or the treasury aren't true, you're a very good liar. I've already laid out my cards that I think the trains one is true. So I don't think... I don't think you were in casualty. You're right. Yes! It was very convincing, but... Was it good? And I don't know, do they film casualty somewhere near Bristol? I think they film it in Cardiff yes. now. Yes, yeah, see. yeah, they they did film it in Bristol yeah. and then they moved it to Cardiff. Yeah, you see, so, it was, it was yeah. when you said Cardiff that I thought, hang on, that's actually where casualty went. Maybe she's making it up now because she's just oh, picking... very picking. good. Yes. See, I told you I'm getting you're good at this game. good. Your, your children have to watch out, don't they? <laughs> you know how to spot a lie. Yeah. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, gosh, I meant to think about this one. Um, I think relax. You're better than you think you are. Um, you're very talented and you can do it. And don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, and I know that all sounds a bit naff and cliche, but actually, when I look back to how I was in my 20s and after I'd lost that contract, and I was, oh, my goodness, I was so panicked about how it was going to be, where I was going to get the next piece of work and um, how I was going to generate income. I, I, you know, and I took some awful pieces of work that were all over the country for really not enough money. Um, I think that really I should have just relaxed a little bit more and not, I'm not saying take your foot off the gas because y you do have to keep yourself out there. But just remember that 
you're good. Value yourself. Value yourself. Value what you do. And hey, that's a lot about being in your 20s anyway, I think, is that you're kind of running around and trying to impress the world. That You're very, very good at what you do. But but actually, just kind of sit back a bit and, and trust in your in in your ability. So, yeah. Mm. You know, you've obviously been a voiceover artist for quite some time now and you've got the agent. But do you still have to be proactively sending stuff out individually? like to, to other people or putting yourself out there? How do you approach that? Um, it's a bit of a funny world one, really. I really ought to be more proactive and send things out more, and that, that much I do know. But I think the truth of the matter is enough work comes to me at this point in my life and is generated just, just through, I suppose, referral, repeat business, um, word of mouth, agency being on the right directories being on the radar that I get enough repeat work without having to put myself out there too much just you know to repeat myself I don't have as much availability as I used to have it will change when my youngest goes to school but you kind of got to be a bit sensible as a freelancer you always want to put yourself out there you always want to remain on people's radars and I don't think I've ever really turned down a piece of work because I've not been able to make it work but when there is more availability, hey, I can really attack things, but I have to be a bit sensible as well at the moment, though that frustrates me to say that. But I love my life. I love my life. I love the balance that I have. I cycle my children to school, and, and that is a real joy every day. And I am blessed in that people... Someone put on social media the, the other day, um, you know, where's your favourite place to work? Where's your favourite spot? Where's your favourite haunt? home. I love my home. I love my studio. I love the view from my window. I, I have a barn in my back garden and look at it. I, I love my life. So I just want to continue to do more of what I love when I have more time to do it. Thank you so much, Faye, for chatting to us today. Don't forget beingfreelance.com. You can find links through to Freelance Mum, for example, and what else uh, Faye is up to, as well as all our previous guests as well. And check out the uh, the Freelance Mum podcast as well. Okay, links are via beingfreelance.com. And, of course, uh, while you're there, uh, sign up to the newsletter. Check out the vlog as well. And, um, yeah, Faye, thank you so much. And My pleasure. Lovely speaking. All the best being freelance. Yay. Take care. Hats off to you. 